out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. Welcome to episode 628 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, January 13th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by a star-studded cast. I've got Justin Mason, Jason oh. Collette, and joining us again for, I think, the fourth or fifth time. Might be the fifth time on the show, and I, I, I know that uh, I think you guys did one, the three of you. It's Ian Khan, Ian, Jason, Justin. How's it going, guys? Grand. Great to be on with you guys again. It is fantastic. Spectacular. Ian's on. The Cowboys are out of the playoffs. I mean, life is really good right now. I was just about to say that. I'm wearing my Redskins sweatshirt today. I was gonna, yeah, I know uh, Justin and, and Jason share their uh, their Washington fandom, so they love seeing the, the Cowboys flop. I hate the Cowboys, and living in Texas makes it even sweeter. And I did feel that people were kind of sleeping on the Rams a little bit because they, they stumbled into the playoffs. So we're not going to go too much on football, but it is nice. Sorry, Cowboys fans, but uh, suck it. Uh, not sorry at all, really. I, I cannot stand the Cowboys. And it's mostly due to their fans uh, here in Texas. So if you live in Texas, you you understand. But uh, like I said, we've got a star-studded cast, and we've got plenty to talk about. we got some transactions that are going on. We've also got uh, a really interesting topic on YouTube utility only players and kind of how uh how you can feel about taking them and the flexibility of other players making those guys more viable so i think that's going to be a really fascinating discussion but let's start with the most recent news this one was a shocker to me because this gentleman is not going to have a starting spot off the top it looks like he's going to be a bit of a utility man dj lemayhew heads out to the yankees 
And obviously with when Tulo signed, I did not think it really did anything for the Machado sweepstakes. I think this has a much higher impact. DJ LeMay is going to go to the Yankees. He doesn't, like I said, doesn't look like he's going to be a starter with um, uh, with, with Glaber over at second, or with Tulo at short and Glaber at second, and then you can kind of bounce him around. Plus, we know Tulo's health could make it so that DJ LeMahieu is starting in five minutes at second and uh, Glaber goes back over to short. But Jason, let me start with you. When you saw this move, uh, what were your initial thoughts on LeMahieu as a Yankee? The weird thing is with the Yankees is their revenue keeps going up and their salaries keep going down. And yeah, if I'm a Yankees fan, Ian, uh, I have to, I see it on Twitter from other people, but I see it frustrating. It's like, okay, look, we, we we're paying for fifty one point three percent of that crappy stadium, and you guys are are taking the payroll down and pocketing more of the revenue. Uh, I'd be upset. You know, for for, for LeMahieu, a couple things that really stick out is, you know, when you think of opposite field hitters now that Joe Maurer's retired, mm-hmm. LeMahieu comes to mind. Except for last year, he was, I guess he saw, hey, dude, I'm going to be a free agent. I should start pulling the ball. That's what I'm going to do. So he started pulling the ball and pulled the ball at a high high career rate. He also struck out more than he ever had. Uh, and batting average took a tank down. But, you know, for me, it's... Is I, I, I've already seen some people say, oh, LeMahieu, opposite field hitter, could take advantage of Yankee Stadium. This won't be a problem. But now his exit his, his exit velocity overall, high, his average exit velocity is high overall, but it's especially high when he pulls it. When he goes opposite field, it's it's the bottom 40th percentile. So, so I'm not, not buying this. I'm not buying this. Just stick him in Yankee Stadium. He can hit opposite field. He's got to be one or two guys. He's either got to get back to spraying the ball around and mm-hmm. trying to beat the shift and driving his batting average up or getting to pull happy because his home road splits the last few years have been abysmal. And well, that, you know, he's got to pick, he's got to pick a profile and stick with it here. Plus I, I'm curious on, um, you know, how much of the, the oppo, movement there when, when he is when he is uh going to the other side is ground balls versus fly balls and with the exit velo that you're talking about i'm wondering if maybe it's more uh weak grounders or, or even you know firm grounders but those aren't getting out of the yard well, Ian, no, the exit ball the exit one i was uh, referring to that was just line drives and fly balls oh, okay okay and and that's much weaker you said it's the, the one of the lower percentiles there um that's not so impressive. Ian, you are the resident Yankees fan here on the show. Yeah. Um, are you feeling a way that, that Jason's describing, and, and how did you feel about LeMahieu specifically? That's just bitter J- Jason Collette Rays fan talking. Um, <laughs> as as satisfied, uh, grateful Yankee fan talking, um, we have taken out the option, it seems, of having Manny Machado join our team, which makes me thrilled. Because from my perspective, what's making the Yankees a a, a great team moving forward is that we're taking away what seemed the George Steinbrenner Yankees, which is sign all the big free agent jerks who other, you know, and just pay the most money and have the highest payroll and just walk in and sort of then lose. Now we're building a team. Like we're, we're trying to build a team in the, in the Cubs way, the Astros way, developing players like Andujar, um, you know, and, and guys like what well, in trading for players that, that are really great, like Labor Torres and Luke Voigt, you bring Manny Machado. I see this as an anti Machado play. I've been really clear about this all offseason. Not interested in Manny Machado on this baseball team because he becomes the leader on the team. He becomes the most um, the highest paid player on the team. I don't we don't want any part of of that action. I don't care what he's going to hit. He's he's not a winning ball player to me. Um, so having LeMahieu come in, it keeps our team intact. I'm very excited about Luke Voigt. 
um, this coming season. Super excited. Tulo, I mean, you know, maybe he had a really good workout. Um, but but to bring LeMayu in, it really kind of keeps us clean until Didi comes back, who's the heartbeat and the captain of this team, really. Um, well, so I'm excited about built depth. Yeah, uh, they've certainly built depth uh with with these moves that they're making here because like i said if tulo does fall on on hard times with his injury with his health again then uh then you're perfectly slotted to put uh, torres at short and lemayhew mm-hmm. full-time second base and so they can move guys around i am interested to see how that first base situation is going to work voight was amazing down the stretch with them they do still have greg bird kind of lingering around uh <laughs> justin do you see anything differently than than what we've heard from ian and and just and jason on this move with lemayhew and um after you answer that, how do you feel about LeMahieu in the market? What does it what does this do for his fantasy price now? I, I imagine it sends it downward. Is that a situation that you'd want to buy at that point? It's definitely a situation I want to buy in on. Uh, I kind of disagree a little bit with both Jason and Ian. First of all, Ian, that's crap. You want to go back to the George Steinbrenner Yankees because <laughs> he won seven World Series. Uh, as yeah, but it wasn't there. working. A Rod, and- A Rod, A Rod, A Rod. No, oh, we don't. come on. Just, we don't. Uh, I don't. Every other twenty nine other fan bases wants want seven World Series uh, in their lifetime. Well, it uh, it depends though, right? Because when he when he was just going willy nilly, I don't think it worked as well. When that's right, he writes the checks and puts somebody in charge. If he lets Cash do his thing or stick Michael when it when, when it was him, uh, right. I think that's when it works. But if he was right. if he were to overrule Cash, say if he were still alive, this talk. This is some, no. This, this is the, this. I'm sorry, someone who's so time, used to I'm... winning. You're, you're no. like the 1% of baseball fans, <laughs> and you're complaining about how things have been. Hey, last I, last I checked, I'm the only guy in this podcast who's, whose team hasn't won a World Series. Yes. Right? Well, the, your yeah. team's only been around for a little while. It's been and... a long time for Paul. He probably doesn't remember it. I was three. Yeah, I, I don't remember it. And then we had a, a, an amazing period from 06 until just a couple of years ago where uh, – Justin's stupid team inexplicably <laughs> won, and the worst World Series winner in the world, that garbage, garbage, garbage Cardinals team, uh, beat that that upstart 06 team. Cardinals fans, come at me. I got, I got, I got you all day on Twitter. After this, I'm free all day. So come at me. Uh, they're stuck in snow right now. It's okay. Oh, there you go. So, um, but from no, but I, from a, like a, a regular like fantasy perspective, uh, he's currently going as uh, let's see, around like two thirty something, a uh, two thirty two. Uh, That's already cheap, and it and it'll sink. Yeah, and I think if it sinks any more, then he is kind of uh, or a, a huge bargain. I know he's leaving Coors Field, and that's going to scare a lot of people away. But there have been studies done. I want to say Mike Petriello uh, did one a while back about you know that talked about, and you guys. Oh, you guys talked about it with Mike Petriello uh, uh, on the podcast. You and you and Eno, uh, Paul, uh, about how pitches move differently in Colorado. The hangover, so, the Coors hangover. Effect. Yeah, so they leave Colorado. And they get used to pitches not having to move that fast, and that's hard to do when you're playing half your games there. But then when you're playing all your games somewhere else, like LeMahieu will be doing, Mm -hmm. things tend to even themselves out. So don't look at his road numbers as kind of what you would expect him to be. You've got to kind of maybe meet in the middle of his road and his home numbers and go, okay, that's probably who he's going to be. Corey Dickerson has been... Uh, you know, after a little bit of an adjustment period early on in Tampa Bay, has been very good since he left Coors. Maybe not as good as he was in that one year uh, sure. with the Rockies, but he's been very good. Dexter Fowler was fine. 
until he wasn't. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be uh, – this is a nice little buying opportunity on DJ LeMayu. Can I bring I, up something I here, though? You know, when we look at when you look at current ADP, you said he's two thirty two. And you keep I always like to look down below and say, okay, who else would I like after that? How in the hell is Jed Lowry forty spots below DJ LeMayhew? I mean, we knew LeMayhew wasn't well, going back to age, Colorado. We didn't know he was going to have a job. I mean, well, there was a, no guarantee. And age too. Age guarantee. This is still age. two free agents, but look at look at the production over the last couple of years. I mean, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I would take Jed Lowry all day long over DJ LeMayhew. Even before well, yeah, this, he's going to be he's going to be a full time starter. I, I totally agree with I totally agree with you there, and that just makes Lowry a nice uh, a nice value as well. I do think that Lemayhi will move down toward Lowry, and Lowry. they might even flip spots to be honest, mm-hmm. uh, because now that Lowry has a guaranteed Agreed, spot, yeah. and what I think is a pretty solid Mets lineup, it, it doesn't have any superstar power, but it rides deep the entire way through, and then I think Lemayhi will move down toward that two seventy seven mark. So they could flip, and I would still like both at the at those flipped prices. Yeah. All right, let, let's uh, let's move on to let's move on to Lowry. That's a great uh, transition there. See, it's I tried. Like know what you're doing there, Jason. Jason, that's Jason that's that's so professional. <laughs> Not so just fixing my microphone, but transitions from heaven. Uh, just a brilliant segue there. You don't even need a helmet. Yeah, that's how advanced you are at riding segways. So uh, let's talk about Jed Lowry on the Mets. Thought, again, I thought this was a good move. I remember when they first made the Cano deal. The one thing I was saying in terms of how I would like it is if they didn't just make this move and be like, hey, we made a move and, and kind of sat on their hands. And and to their credit, they have not done that. They've continued to make moves. And I think this is a really sharp move. Jed Lowry, when he's healthy, is a fantastic player. He really is. He's a, he's a really sharp hitter. Uh, he's not a great defender, but he can bounce around too. So you get that flexibility, which we're obviously going to talk about later with uh, positional flexibility. He's a guy who can certainly earn that at multiple spots. It looks like he's going to slot number two into that lineup in between Nimmo and Cano as a switch hitter, and I really like that. Justin, let me start with you on Jed Lowry. You already heard his ADP is down at 277. It's going to go up, but how do you feel about him with the Mets, and uh, how high would be too high for you where you wouldn't want to take him, assuming you like him at this this lowered price right now? I feel like the Mets hate their prospects. <laughs> well, which ones though? Like who? Who do well, they? Dominic they have? Smith and, and Peter Alonso. They should hate. Well, I, I well, hate those guys too. I don't hate Peter the, Alonso, the, but they should the, hate Dominic Alonso's Smith. Alonso's power is great, but yeah, Dom Smith is 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 trash. I understand what you're saying because Lowry goes to third and Frazier goes to yeah, first. I mean, they could obviously they could obviously make some more moves, and I would expect them to kind of make some more moves, uh, potentially uh, to to free up a spot for Alonso. Uh, but this has got to be frustrating for fantasy owners in dynasty leagues, especially that were hoping to see Peter Alonzo maybe in the third week of the season. Cause right now there just isn't a spot for him. Uh, Lowry, I think is fine. I, I tend to stay away from him because I haven't believed kind of this late age breakout that we've seen from him. Uh, but at this point you have to, he, he's just, like you said, he's been fantastic since he stayed healthy uh, and it's not like moving to, to the Mets stadium is going to take away a bunch of power. He was playing in Oakland. So uh, I think it's a pretty stagnant move for his value, which means he's still underrated considering uh, where he's going in draft. So yep. I think even if he breaks into the top 200, he's kind of a bargain, especially if he's going to start playing a lot of other positions and picking up multi-positional eligibility. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with all that. Ian uh, Lowry to the Mets, was that something that you thought was a good fit? And if he's batting near the top of the lineup, is he somebody that you might even target? Yeah, I mean, look, Lowry, that was a, I love everything that the Mets are doing um, this offseason. I love the Cano-Diaz trade. I really do. I mean, I know Kalenic, everyone's super excited about, but he's like four years away. You're getting the, right now, the number one closer, certainly in fantasy. He's 24 years old. He's a little bit of a head case, unfortunately. But if he can keep it together, you're looking at five or, you know, next four years, you've got the best closer in baseball following up this top rotation. Jed Lowry is great. I mean, you know, if you look at what he did last year, I owned him. And in uh, RDI, the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational that I that Justin and I are both in, and James Anderson and I shared a team, and Jed Lowry helped us tremendously. He was the 76th ranked player in CBS over the course of last year. Super helpful. And next year, he's going to have third base eligibility. I also think that Peter Alonzo is going to get his time and space. He's just got to come in and do his job in spring training. And we don't have to worry about what's going to happen with Todd Frazier and his $9 million contract. Todd Frazier yeah. is going to be the number one cheerleader on the bench, you know, <laughs> pepper and salt and pepper shaking everything and telling everybody how to get excited. And that's a really good job for him because he can unfortunately no longer hit. Um, so I love the Lowry pickup. I question what's going to happen with Jeff McNeil more because McNeil, I thought was going to get a little time at third base. And there's some talk of moving him out to the outfield and to center field. Um, which he played six innings in apparently in 2016. So, <laughs> well, there um, you go. But, he's ready yeah, for the outfield. Then. He's ready for the outfield now. But I, I love the Jed Lowry pickup for the Mets. I think it's a, a smart pickup, and I think he's a really good. In fact, right before we went on air, Matt Modica uh, texted me and said, "Hey, I want to trade for Jed Lowry in RDI." And <laughs> I said, go. "I'm about to do a sleeper Mets on the bus. Fan. I'll get back. We'll get back to you." Avid Mets fan, by the way, Matt Modica, CTM Baseball. Follow him on Twitter. Get, uh, puts out great stuff regularly. Um, uh, you mentioned Jeff McNeil, and I think that that these moves have bummed out some of the Mets fans who love Jeff McNeil, but I think they kind of overrate him. He was a 26-year-old rookie who uh, had a fantastic little half season there, 248 plate appearances where he was fan- where he was great, kind of an empty batting average. I don't really see a ton. Having him as more of a bench piece and somebody who can move around, fill in for depth, I think is actually fantastic. And that's one of the things I love most about the moves that they've made is that they haven't made it so that Jeff McNeil is a piece that they have to rely on. They've got Keon Broxton as a great defensive replacement, yeah, yeah. part-time player as well. So now they have depth on their bench. J.D. Davis, don't sleep on him either. He's, he's an interesting prospect. And we've seen Houston, they're so overflowing with, with uh, prospect talent that they've had some of these guys just uh, leave their club in different ways, some via trade, some, you know, the DFA with Jose uh, J.D. Martinez, we remember, of course. But uh, I like anybody that kind of comes out of their system and goes and gets a chance somewhere else. I'm looking at, at what he's able to do, too. But uh, back to Lowry for Jason. Let's move him up the board here. We talked about 277. That's not going to stick. What about if we get him inside the top 20 second baseman, which puts him right by Lourdes Gurriel, Marwin Gonzalez, and Nick Senzel in the in the 220 to 230 pick range? And then just below your boy in Tampa, who's very Jeff McNeil like himself, Joey Wendell at uh, 207. Where would you slot Lowry in with those four. Give, give me the five ranking of Lowry, Wendell, Guriel Jr., Marwin, and Senzel. All right, it looks like we lost uh, lost Jason with some technical issues. He may be able to jump back in here at some point, but uh, we are going to move pour forward. Pour one out for your homie if you're drinking. Oh, yeah, pour, right now. pour one out for Jason. Uh, but if he can get back in, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Ian has a hard out, so we can't uh, can't keep him on all day here. We are going to move on to the next move here. Uh, actually, what I, what I had done, and I don't know where Jason's going to cut. I think he's going to cut it before I ask this question. Uh, I'd asked if Lowry's ADP moves up 
and it will. But if he moves up into the top 20 of second baseman, which uh, the, the last four there are Joey Wendell, or last five are, are Jonathan Scope, Joey Wendell, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Marwin Gonzalez, and Nick Senzel, ranging from picks 196 to 230. Where does Lowry go? And I had posed that to Jason. Then we realized that he'd log- that he'd been signed off. And uh, Ian tried to said, well, you know, for the record, I would take him over all of them. So expound on that a little bit, Ian. You would would you take him above Scope as well? All five I, of those guys? I, I would. Yeah, actually, I would. I would. I might even consider taking him over Cesar Hernandez because honestly, who knows if Kingery is going to end up having a ridiculous spring and moving into or that second base spot. Machado. Or if they get Machado and then all of a sudden Cesar Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez is is somewhat useless. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would. Yes, exactly. So I, I I really like Lowry. I mean, I think that he's gonna. I think it's a. a, a I think he's gonna play, and I think he's gonna play successfully and do do a great job. So I would take him over. And I'm worried about Guriel. I mean, he could be he could be a high upside play. He also could be on the bench. Yeah, so he, he flashed. You know, he had that nice little July, but then got hurt, and and nothing really went there. Wendell, you know, he was kind of an empty batting average, like Jeff McNeil. Uh, we don't know about Senzel, and Marwin doesn't have a job yet, so maybe his his value will solidify once we figure out where he goes. But I still think I would lean toward Lowry as well. So I, here's the thing: Lowry's going to go up, but I don't know if he's going to go all the way up to those guys. So he's a nice value, and I think the 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 group of us is is interested in in drafting him in in a lot of leagues here. Uh, so I, and, and, I, and I don't know if he'll actually even go up because. You know, we talk about this all the time. Fantasy baseball industry as a whole, and then the players in it uh, are ageist. Ageist as can be, yep. And uh, it becomes a really crowded situation in New York, and some people are going to go, "Well, I just don't want to deal with this." Yes, you're right, and wash sure. their hands of it. Yeah, that's actually a good point. That's that's a really good point. But so. also, he's going to get shortstop eligibility as well because he's going to get ten games for Ahmed Rosario and he's no going to, so, so get, he's going to have second base shortstop third base eligibility in NFC NFBC format. That's going to be incredibly valuable as the season goes on so, uh, really in any format. No, I, I completely, completely agree. Uh, all right. It's perfect that we had John today because another Yankees move popped up. Now this one isn't as fantasy relevant because I don't think it's going to change the saves landscape, but Zach Britton is going to go back to the Yankees. And of course, uh, you know, he's coming off of one of his worst years, but you still saw the flashes. Uh, if you watch Zach Britton and you saw some of his outings, you could still see that that power sinker and the effectiveness there. But it was definitely a lesser version of him. Obviously, the uh, strikeout rate uh, came down two years ago and, and ticked back up a little bit in 18. But we still haven't seen the elite 15-16 swing and miss guy. But the walk rate continued to go back up. So now we're two years in, about uh, 87, 77 innings worth of mediocre Britain where the results are still there ERA-wise, but the whip and the strikeouts and walks behind it are saying, be careful. Is Lowry for you, or excuse me, is Britain for you, Ian, somebody that you'd still consider as those middle relief options late? Or are you moving away from him until you kind of see it back, uh, you, you know, kind of see him back to where he's been? How do you feel about Zach Britton back with the Yankees? I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I don't think that he's going to provide much value. I think that Batances is going to be the first one in. Uh, mm-hmm. If Chapman does knee out again, which he tends to do on a regular basis now, um, I think that Batances becomes uh, the closer. So I don't think Britain's going to really give you closers. And basically, from what I was looking at last year, watching him almost every day, I, I was not that impressed. Uh, he did not seem in control of the game, certainly in the way that he was back in his heyday. 
payday, which was remarkable. Um, I think the three-year, $39 million contract was not ideal. Um, not a great contract for uh, for the Yankees right there. I, I, I think three years, $30 million, I mean, I'm quibbling over $9 million of not my dollars. Um, but <laughs> there, but I think they were in response to Robertson, who I was fine with yeah. them letting go, because uh, he also was down a tick or two on his uh, fastball. So, I mean, you know, one of the things that makes the Yankees strong is this bullpen. He's a fine bullpen piece. Um, but I mean, I'm not in love with him. Certainly in NFBC, he fell down to the 23rd round and I think he could have fallen to the 27th round. Yeah, I think, I think so too. Um, Justin, I, I tend to agree with Ian that I don't know where the fantasy value would come from because usually when you're going to take a middle reliever who you're not expecting many or any saves out of, and you got seven last year, um, you need the K's. And his K's just haven't been there. Like I said, 18 and 20% the last two seasons for Zach Britton. Do you see any hope for the rebound? And uh, is there a scenario where you would take him? Or are you just looking for kind of the next big thing? Another thing, too, his price actually stays up a little bit relative to other middle relievers because of his name. So you almost, you're almost paying a little bit of a premium, even though it's a late premium. But I'd rather take somebody, I think, with the last pick who, I, who could emulate him. But how do you feel, Justin, about uh, Zach Britton? Yeah, I don't think I'm in on Britain. Uh, like you said, if you're going to go after middle relief in most leagues, you want it because, unless you're playing in a holds league. In a holds league, I think he has a little bit of value because he's going to be that left-handed setup man. Uh, but it, the strikeouts are gone, and and the control isn't what it was. Uh, it could really kind of wreak havoc with your ratios uh, at, at times in, in terms of your whip. Uh you know, the velocity started to come back uh, a little bit uh, last year, but it still wasn't 96, which is where he really, uh, really shines. So, um, yeah, I, I think the role kind of screws him for fantasy usage. I think it's a decent pickup by the Yankees because it gives him such a dominant bullpen, uh, especially yeah. if he is okay. But in terms of fantasy, unless you're in a holds league, it doesn't really do much for me. And, and can I throw in two things, um, if I may? The... Um, the the guy that I'm like in love with uh, and was last year before the trade in that spot in the Zach Britton spot like throw Zach Britton down to the thirtieth round thirty second round yeah. is Ryan Presley it's Ryan Presley oh, is the God, guy yes. you want you and, want and, you want you want Ryan Presley because I also think that Osuna might you know punch a wall it always goes back to punch a wall for me now like Hunter Strickland punch a wall oh my God. um you know yeah. and Robert punch Roberto Osuna right way, or punch uh, your or, you know yeah you're, you're gonna Knock punch yourself, yourself like, out. Who are you going to punch? And when, when Osuna punches the wall or self, I see Ryan Presley as the guy who's going to be the dominant closer coming in. And then we'll be talking about him as a top 10 closer going into 2020. And one last point, it's wreak havoc, I'm pretty sure, and not so much on wrecking havoc, just to be clear. I, I do what I want. You know, no, I, I like it. I'm, I'm all about... Uh... I'm all about getting things right, and I, you know I wasn't gonna correct him, but I love that How you dare did. You guys. I'm, I'm completely Dude, here for it. There's no wrecking havoc. I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna wreck havoc all over this podcast. <laughs> Remember, I do the editing here. You're gonna That's wreck your havoc all over the English language. Um, to 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 Ian's point regarding Britain versus Presley, and like what I was saying about the name premium, Britain's not expensive at pick 250, but. Um, again, that's a bit of a, a premium for somebody with the skills that he's displayed the last two years. Ryan Presley's at 535. 
So he's so remarkably cheap. And it, even for like a lefty, as somebody I like as a gamble, who I really think could pop up this year and be one of those middle relievers. Not that you necessarily draft maybe in the 50 round draft and hold, but um, I like I still like Adam Conley to do something. And he goes uh, 560. So well, you know, and, there, there's and, I mean there's Pedro Strope, who's going to open the open the uh, season with a closer's job because of Morrow's injury. Uh, and, you know, and I, one of my uh, predictions, I don't know if it's bold or not, but it'll probably be my bold predictions piece, is that Pedro Strope leads the cu- leads the Cubs in saves. Oh, yeah. That's right. He, he's going 341. Like so. Yeah, I mean, in just eyeballing here, where I, I did one little mouse scroll up from the uh, from the Presley area, I see Juris Familia, Seth Lugo, Brad Peacock, and even Calvin Herrera as relievers I'd rather have Rosenthal. over Britain. And Rosenthal's there and, and even Matt Barnes and, and Joe Jimenez might might close Absolutely. for Detroit from the jump. And, I, I, I like Diego, get some saves. Diego Castillo. Yeah. Just take take so, Britain off the board. Don't take, take Britain, Britain off your yeah. board. Just don't that there's no reason to take him. Someone because, else is taking him because it's he's down at two forty and he's been sitting there, so someone's gonna go, Well, I'm gonna take him now. It's a, name. It's a name. I'm gonna take him. I'm getting a I'm getting a bargain here at three thirty three. No, you're not. That's two hundred picks higher than you should even consider him. So I completely agree with you guys there. That's Zach Britton. Let's move on to the next one here. A couple other small things. Um Alex Bregman got a little bit of an elbow surgery. You always gotta, you always gotta be mindful, and so that's why I wanted to bring it up. You always gotta be mindful when somebody gets surgery, but it's supposed to be nothing too severe, you know, nothing major. That said, uh, they did say that he may start the season on the DL. Um, he can't resume full activities until March first, which should give him a pretty normal spring training. Looks like he's gonna miss what about a week to ten days of spring training. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little interested in this, and maybe it uh, moves him down a spot or two, which within the first round. But um, Justin, how do you feel about hearing this, this Bregman sh- shoulder surgery? Are you f- treating it as a quote unquote nothing burger, or is it something that uh, you would you're going to make a big move on? Uh, I'm not making a big move on it. If, if anything, if I see him dropping, I'm going to grab more shares. This is something he's been uh, an issue that he's been dealing with on and off for a while. Uh, and he's still putting up fantastic numbers, so yeah, I, I'm not worried about this at all. The only the only time this is my only caveat. The only time I'm going to be worried about this is I used to play in a uh, ale only keeper league that had uh, a traditional rules, and one of the rules was if a player starts the year in the minors, he is not eligible to be on your team. Now that oh. always screwed someone because guy on the DL would go and play in a minor league uh, minor league rehab and they would lose that player. So in a league like that, Brutal. I'm going to be very, very careful. Oh, oh no, my God. I remember losing Francisco Liriano for a buck uh, oh, after his like, breakout terrible. season because he started yeah. uh, in the technically started in the minors because he was injured. Um, so just just if you're in a league with original rules like that, uh, I mean, first of all, get your league to change those stupid fucking rules. Second, but also be know your rules. Mm-hmm. Always know your rules. That's that still goes back to you. It can be a stupid rule, but just because it's stupid doesn't mean that it can't be enforced. If it's a rule on the books, you need to be aware of it. And I do know some folks still play in traditional leagues for sure, and so you you got to be mindful of stuff like that with Bregman. Um, the the interesting thing that you could maybe parlay this into after draft season is he seems to be a chronic slow starter. When he first got up to the majors, slow start. I think he was like 0 for 22 and then went off. Uh, And then the last two Aprils, 
pretty slow where it's just kind of like, you know, he's just kind of meandering along, getting himself situated for the season. And then he takes off. If that happens again, and then people start to pretend or, you know, overrate that it's part of the shoulder situation, I would go the, the, the trade market route try to buy Alex Bregman at a discount. You pay your, you know, third or fourth round pick for somebody who was taken in the first. And I don't love making trades that early, but if you see a great value, if you can help your team, you help your team. So keep an eye on that for Alex Bregman. Obviously that's something that's, you know, a long way away. We're talking four months away before you would even consider it, but the trade market might be an interesting scenario for Bregman. If he starts slowly on the heels of this situation. Uh, All right. Next move is that Will Myers is going back to the outfield yet again, and um, I don't love this. I, I do love Will Myers. I know, Justin, that you do. We, we, we regularly talk about uh, how much we like Will Myers in the fantasy realm because he's a do-everything sort of guy uh, with the power and speed combo. Not, not everything, I guess, because his batting average is never really there. But uh, this is a guy you love to take for your, your batting average punt theory because you're hoping to spike. You know, If you can spike anything over 250, it's pretty much a value. And I do still see uh, a scenario. It hasn't happened really, but a scenario where he could he could hit you at two seventy five plus sort of season. Like he could just have that kind of season. Maybe he cuts the strikeouts. He's still only twenty seven going into his age twenty eight season. There's still a couple more prime years here for Myers, but health has always been a concern. And it was again last year, eighty three games. And so with with him in the outfield, I do think that that's more taxing on him, obviously, than playing first base. And so for that reason, I don't really like it. Now, um, Jason, uh, R.I.P., who's still trying to get back on, unfortunately not working right now, uh, did make a note here about if Cleveland ever got a deal worked out with San Diego about a Kluber trade that Myers could be going back and and go into their outfield. Now that wouldn't solve the scenario that I have the problem that I have with him being in the outfield, but that'd be kind of interesting to see him on a on a much better offense. But uh overall does this tamp down your expectations or or eagerness to draft him Justin with Will Myers back in the outfield? Absolutely not. Okay, he, so you're still I, I mean, he he wasn't playing in the outfield last year and got still got hurt. So he's either going to be he healthy wasn't? or he's not. So I thought, I thought he was. I don't. He was playing third. He was the third. Oh yeah, that's right. Third. Yeah. I loved that. By the way, that was awesome that he was playing third. He played. He played. Uh, looks like uh, forty games in the outfield and uh, thirty six at, at third, uh, two at first. Still got hurt. hurt. I'm. I'm not worried about. You, you could just have to bake in the injury risk with him. But if he pops. Sure. Uh, he, you know, he he's a great guy, especially like you said for my punt batting average uh, strategy that I tend to employ in in a lot of uh, non uh, overall prize leagues. So, uh, I I'm gonna have no problem taking the discount on him this year. I think he does get traded. I think there is probably a 75% chance that he is not on this Padres team. Uh, they're looking for a third baseman. Uh, they've been trying. They've been talking about getting a, a start, another starting pitcher. Uh, I think he will be in a different uniform uh, at some point. No, I, to- I totally understand that. So, um, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll still be taking Will Myers. I just, man, I just wish that maybe getting back to the AL could get him on the DH too, because that would definitely help uh, alleviate some of the injury concern. Because being in the field, even if it is first base, does make you more susceptible to potential injuries. But I wish he could just stay healthy. Can we turn off injuries for some of these guys? They could be so... Uh, so great. I mean, he had a 28-28 season and then a 30-20 season. Ian, how do you feel about Will Myers? Is he somebody that you like to uh, go for or, or just get, do you I, not I, touch I, average I, liabilities? I, I, no, I don't mind average liabilities because I, I, you can make it up elsewhere. But um, my, my problem with Myers is he just he just 
burns and, and gets injured just every year. However, if he were to move to Cleveland, I think that would be great for a lot of players in fantasy because this news yesterday of Myers moving back to the outfield really puts a, a crimp in my Hunter Renfro um, like and my Reyes like. Oh, yeah. Because uh, now all of a sudden, and my and my Manuel Margot like Margot, I mean, I got a lot of like of them. Yeah, yes, we thought they a- were going to be the guys. I think this whole show, you're you're really joining the show here, liking those guys because we've spoken well of of that entire trio at times. Yeah. And uh, if if somebody's a Franchi Cordero backer, yes. I think it's got to put a and, put a crimp in that. And you know, Travis Shankowski's going to get hot for four weeks and, and, and take time. Yeah, and take time because that's going to happen. If something happens on July 24th every year where <laughs> Travis Shankowski turns into Jacoby Ellsbury circa 2007 <laughs> for like four or five weeks, and then everyone's like, oh my God, this Jankowski just won't stop running or won't stop hitting home runs. And, it's his and birthday. Then, his birthday is June 15th. That's what it is. It must be that. He gets his little birthday present. He feels good about himself, and then he starts stealing uh, time. So Myers moving back to the outfield, you know, I understand that. Gallo moved back to the outfield. He doesn't want to play third base. Myers doesn't want to. That ball comes fast, and you have a small glove. I I personally can relate. I don't even want to talk about that. That's a sidebar. But Renfro and Reyes, when there was talk of that trade with Cleveland, I was so super excited on so many levels because I was like, all right, send Margot, Renfro, and Luis Urias to Cleveland to get yourself some Corey Kluber. Sounds great to me because then all of a sudden you've got Margot in center field. You've got, um, for, for the Indians, you've got Renfro playing every day. But let's say Myers goes on that deal. I think that's really smart because then you get some real DH time there for him, which I think can help him in his, in his issue. No, I, t- I totally agree with that. And so we could still see trades that will uh, that will open things back up. So don't freak out too much. And if you do like those Padres and you're like Ian and you're in your, your NFBC draft and holds right now, uh, you might be able to catch a bargain on some of those guys. So so trust the skills. Don't get hung up on the roll. We are still January 13th. Still plenty of time for lots of things to happen. Heck, there's still a, a sizable portion of the free agent market that has yet to be settled, let alone the trades that could come down. So don't overly freak out. But Will Myers is going back to the outfield. And that, at, at present, does put a crimp in at least somebody's playing time. He'd be an interesting time. player for, uh, for the Rays if they decide they don't want to pay uh, uh, the E5 you know, uh, price. So. Especially yeah. they, they, Jose got Martinez, Ma- they got Matt, Jose they Martinez, got Matt Duffy. They could this. send off as a third baseman. They got plenty of pitchers in, in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. So, what were you saying about Jose Martinez? Well, we I think Jason and I spend a lot of time texting about where is Jose Martinez going to end he's up. He's not going anywhere. He's going you don't to. Think so? No, he's going to be I traded don't. to. He's going to be traded to the Rays. I please, please, please. I, I don't he's think it's be traded. No, he's he's don't they care about fantasy baseball? They don't, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like people, that's so rude. I think we we as fantasy baseball players really want to see Jose Martinez traded, but uh, he offers a really nice bench bat and a platoon partner with a number yeah. of their lefty lefty guys. So they're it's not like they've got a super deep bench either, or an you know impact bats coming up for the minor leagues. So. Uh, I think that there's a really good chance. I think there's probably a 60 to 70% chance uh, oh, that Jose Martinez man. is on the Cardinals to start the season. He is a brilliant bat off the bench that you mm-hmm. can, that you can get in in a key spot literally every game that he's not starting, yep. right? You know, because there's going to be a pinch hit spot where you're going to be able to bring him in lefty, and yeah. change the game. Yeah. Or righty, the man can mash. Yeah, he really can. He can He's and you, so good. You, you can go against either side for Jose Martinez. So I mean it would be smart for them. Um I, I don't 
you know, hate it for their standpoint if they do end up keeping him. But as the selfish fantasy player, I just want him out there for us to uh, to be able to use. But uh, all right, so that's going to wrap it up for the news and and notes there. Let's let's talk about these utility only players. This is an interesting topic, and uh, it starts with the the question right off the top. Well, first let me set the stage of the of the key utility only. There's three that are kind of. Um, at the top of the scale here, and then one other who's really, uh, yeah, he's really off to the side. Kendrick Morales, off to the side. But these other three, Chris Davis did not get enough outfield last year, and I don't even have to specify that it's with a K anymore. If you hear Chris Davis and you think, see, you're either Chris, you're either the actual person, Chris Davis from Baltimore, or uh, a really suffering yeah. Baltimore fan. You're, you're, Though playing, I would you're say- playing in a 15-team AL, uh, AL East-only league. <laughs> or a ha- hacking mask. Do you remember that from Baseball Perspective yes! where you tried to get the oh. worst players possible? Mm-hmm. Or you're or you're a pick 600 in NFBC and Chris yeah. Davis is sitting there and he's going to get 550 at-bats or 450 yeah. at-bats. With that money. he does put it together, he's going to hit you 40 home runs and hit 225. And at pick 600, it is a – I'm grabbing him in every NFBC sure. draft and hold. I get there is that format six, that, that 575 600 and he's my 40th round 42nd round pick but we're talking about the, the elite one uh Chris Davis from Oakland he's picked 45 he's utility only and then two guys here right inside the 125 marker Nelson Cruz at 104 and Shohei Otani at 103 so we got the three main guys the question right off the top is does the UT only change your valuation of them Ian do, do you do you bump them down uh, how do you value them? Because I think the market at large does, but how do you approach these three guys uh, with their with their game changing power, but block quote unquote blocking the utility only spot? It's challenging, and it's a it's a real trade off, and I'm finding myself taking that trade off on a consistent basis um, because of my personal. Uh, I, I like Nelson Cruz a lot. I never pay for Chris Davis at 45. That's a little early for me on 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 covering that up. But when Otani keeps falling, um, because there's talk that he's not going to be able to start the season on time, and I think back to what my projection of him is, um, I end up getting Otani everywhere um, and loving Otani um, with with a deeper part of my soul, thinking we have Babe Ruth with uh, Ricky Henderson speed because that's well, maybe not Ricky Henderson, but, uh, but step, premium but, speed. Oh my God, man! I see. If, I, if I'm going to tell you, I see. A, if he plays 162 games, I see 40 to 45 home runs and 20 to 30 stolen bases with a 275 batting average. That's I, what I'm with you. Like so, I'm so obsessed. I'm obsessed, and I you guys are crazy. James and I traded for him in Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, and we gave up a good amount with Matt Modica, um, and we're thrilled because we've got a 21 year old Babe Ruth with uh, you know Billy Hamilton speed. He's wait, wait, going. Wait. To, he's amazing. I love. What it. did you say about us, Justin? You guys are insane. We're talking about peak, obviously. We're not talking about expectation. But do you not do you not really see thirty fifteen as as a pretty reasonable, um, you know, pr- pretty reasonable projection for Shohei Otani this year? Thirty home runs and fifteen stolen bases. Yeah, he put twenty two and ten in hundred and fourteen yes, games I, last I, year. I have a hard time believing he's going to get the necessary plate appearances, uh, in order to do that. So, why? Yeah, why? He still needs to prove that he is uh, able to hit uh, uh, from both sides of the plate. Um, he he's not going to hit, hit righty. He, he can't mean hit, hit both righties and lefties. But he yeah. can't hit righty. He can't hit both sides of the plate. But from the left side, he I'm can sorry, hit lefties. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yes. Against le- hitting against lefties is what is what I meant. Um, and then 
what happens when he starts doing rehab for his, the elbow? He's going to miss time on the field. Uh, and rehab for, for Tommy John is not like – it's not super easy. We've never seen someone – play in while doing rehab and so but he's not gonna he's not gonna pitch this year man not it's, it's not about pitching but just playing yeah, in right. general and playing Justin, in general you're right you're you're absolutely right that there's he's going to lose some time probably at the beginning of the season and there's going to be other times over the course of the season but if you watched him i watched him super carefully and closely because i owned him in a, a industry league that i wanted to win and 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 he helped me do that with his bat right because it was i only had the hitter side because it was yahoo and when he was not pitching when he when he stopped pitching he started running when he was pitching, he wasn't stealing bases because he didn't want to take the risk of hurting his leg or hurting his ankle or anything like that. Once he was done pitching, all of a sudden he just started stealing bases in bunches. But do we know uh, that while he's doing rehab that he's going to want to run? He was willing to do that because he knew he was getting surgery either way. is he? Are the Angels going to want him to see him running on the base paths while he's got the rehab going on? I just I think there are a lot of question marks that we're not addressing as an industry uh, on his value. Now well, is at he being twenty three over- at one twenty three though, Justin? I mean, we're talking about a guy who, if we extrapolate his numbers, it would be forty four home runs and twenty stolen bases with a two eighty five average. That's over. I don't think it's fair to extrapolate his numbers though. This was a guy that wasn't seen before. People have now seen him. They're going to approach him differently. Maybe, maybe you're right. How how much how much differently though, right? Because we talk about how advanced the stats are and the scouting is. Like, what's going to be so different that you're going to take him from from what Otani was as a fantastic hitter this year and and turn him into what a mediocre hitter? I just I'm not saying you're going to turn him into a mediocre hitter. I'm just I, I how just, many plate appearances do you see him getting? Three hundred and oh, okay, fifty. Well then, then you then okay, but yeah, I mean, that, okay. Th- at that point, I understand your feeling. I just, I think it's going to be way more than that. I just think, especially because I think, especially I said, especially because he's the the Angels are going to try to win this year. In fact, I think they're going to sign Craig Kimbrell. That's like just back of my head. Um, but I think that they're going to try to win while they have Mike Trout and try to build a I, winning I, tradition. I, they should. And uh, if they're doing that, then you don't play Albert Pujols. He becomes the Todd Frazier cheerleader on the bench. Wh- what happens when they're 10 games back in July? No, okay. If that happens, then they, they start, start to protect Otani. Yeah, and I mean, that's the problem is I don't think they've got the team to actually compete in that division. The A's are good. The Astros are great. Uh, Seattle, as much as they're tearing things down, they're not going yeah. to be atrocious. Uh, they're not going to be that good, though. They're not going to be any better than 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 this ball club. They were eighty and eighty two with things going disastrously not- last year. Yeah, like things went so wrong for them, uh, health wise, and they were eighty and eighty two. And they've made some pretty good improvements, I believe. They they run an they run an interesting lineup. Now I mentioned how the Mets lineup runs deep and and doesn't have star power. They have star power, obviously. Trout, Upton, and uh, for for. Ian and I, we would say Otani as well, but it also runs pretty deep. You know, um, I know Lucroy is a clown, you know, not a good hitter anymore, but he's your eight, nine guy. Like, that's not terrible. To have I, him as I like Cozart, him getting back. I like Cozart, uh, Bohr. Simmons. Fletcher is going to get base hits and flip the lineup over. We'll see how Calhoun does. Obviously, you but and I had some debates. Who knows with that rotation? That rotation could be. That's great. so I, fair. That's completely I love Andrew Heaney and I love Tyler Skaggs. I talk about one those of these guys big, a lot. They, they need, need Harvey or Cahill to. They they, they, they need, need all of them to stay healthy. 
and the top four guys in the rotation are injury risk. But well, for the I, first time in years, they actually have a really good system now. Okay, so yeah, if, things, if things go in the right direction, I just think Otani is—he's um, not Mike Trout, but he's the second best hitter on that team um, to me, and the second most valuable uh, fantasy player by far on that team. I take him over. Um, I don't, if he's playing, I take him over Justin Upton, and I think he's going to play. Wow, I think the kid likes okay. to play, and I think he's—I think he is a dominant fantasy force i think that if he does hit all season long 600 and you get him at 123 if he has 600 at bats you're going to win you have a really good chance of winning your dynasty your, yeah. your fantasy team and i do think a lot of your concerns justin which are are fair with the playing time not all of them but i think some of them are built into the price because 123 is not overly expensive um it's still a single digit round in a 15 teamer but uh, i think it's a pretty fair discount to to build in Huge. some of these some okay, of these but concerns like, here. Also at 123, Yasel Puig. Well, I it, love Puig. It becomes, you know that. Well, it becomes – when we start talking about some of these names. Well, doesn't Puig carry the very same concerns like health-wise? Like he, he doesn't – He does. He does. But at the same time – And he doesn't run as much. I think, or, or, I think this is as much a, as I think. I think Otani is a boomer bust pick. Sure. So, he hit but, two, like but he that. hit 285. He didn't hit. If he hit two forty-five, I would agree with you. But he's got not just a. He doesn't just have like Chris Davis power or Aaron Judge power, which he does. But he's also hitting two eighty-five along for, the way and stealing bases. But mm-hmm. if he's going to get enough plate appearances in order to hit thirty-five home runs and steal fifteen bases, he's going to have to hit uh, hit better against left-handed pitching, and we haven't That's seen true, that. But yet. we That's started true. to see that in Let the me... second half. We started to see it. We started to see him hitting against lefties in the second half, and he really did much better. Let he me did. amend my uh, speed thing. He actually has fifteen stolen bases each of the last two years in twenty-one and twenty attempts, which is fantastic. And he got the fifteen in twenty last year in four forty-four plate appearances. So I was underrating his uh, stolen bases there just to kind of close the loop on that. Um, that I, I being said, if you can there. buy low on Otani in a dynasty league, you have to do it because if, if he's completely healthy coming in next season, uh, he may be my number one. Overall, pick. overall pick, yeah. Because I mean, that, and that's where I'm going. I mean, on my dynasty rankings, I'm gonna little sneak preview. I have them at 24, and because they're going to figure out a way, they're they're going to have to. Fantrax, CBS, all of these leagues are going to have to find a way to count his pitching stats and his hitting stats. Yeah, it's, go, it's going to be figured out by 2020. They got a break this year, 2019. They don't really have to deal with it, but they will make that adjustment. At which point, you're going to get a Noah Syndergaard pitcher with, a, you know, with a, a ridiculous bat along the way. I think he's, the um, he, he's the unicorn do, man. Uh, I'm fine with like you have to choose whether you want him in a pitcher or hitter spot or whatever. The one thing you can't do with Otani, I I can't do the uh, he's two players where somebody has the hitter and somebody has the pitcher. I don't like that solution. So they like you said, they do have a year to figure out the coding and get it all worked out. Some of the sites figured it out, though. So reach out to your peers in the industry and get it figured out websites because uh, th- this guy and, you know, he might be the first of, of multiple because uh, we're seeing the the Hunter Green and Brendan McKay coming up from the minors and we could see more guys doing stuff like this. So um, he's the real interesting one at 123. Now, Nelson Cruz at 104, he's starting to get into poppy territory where no one wants to be left holding the the perceived hot potato, yet he just continues to do it. And um, I think at some point, people are trying too hard to avoid 
uh, fallout, you know, and I understand there's some risk when you're taking an older guy because there's not necessarily a, a, a decline. Um, it can just happen once you, once you get past 35, you are taking gambles, but this guy just continues to beast out year after year, even with last year's batting average dip from 288 to 256. That was a big dip. He still went 37, 97, um, and he had a little bit of injury. So he only played 144 games, but at pick 104, I would take a repeat of last year for Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I keep beating the same drum here about deep, solid lineups. I think that's what Minnesota has now, too. They've made it so that they they run pretty deep with their lineup. And and they're more Metsian where there isn't a ton of superstar power in it. But uh, I would say that Nelson Cruz is a superstar hitter. So he kind of stands out as the centerpiece. And then if they can get some health from their guys that they've been, you know, the, their prospects, uh, Sano and Buxton, then they do run nine deep. Um, Ian, start with you on on cruises. Uh, you play a lot of dynasty, even at age going into his age thirty nine season. Is this still so, or age thirty eight season? Is this still someone that you're open to drafting? Uh, you know, in dynasty, I own him in a league that I'm in great shape in, and he stays right where he is, and I'm going to ride him till he drops like a horse, um, like I did with Beltray. Same thing. It's like you you get a guy like that, you can't trade him for anything. Nobody wants to buy Nelson Cruz in a dynasty league. Uh, so you keep him and you use him and you get your 35 home runs and your 110 RBIs. Um, in a, in a redraft, of course. I mean, he's a, he's a guy who I will draft an NFBC in that area for sure. Especially if I need the, the power, I will be willing to give up the flexibility there. I have, I've drafted him and uh, really happy with it. Yeah. The reason I added this as a topic is because this is a constant, uh, uh, discussion and argument in my friends fancy benefits uh, staff chat because we have a couple guys who uh, are very adamant that it that being a ut or a util only player you know really affects someone's value and uh, because it, it limits your mobility but first of all we, we're seeing a ton of, of guys this year with multi-positional eligibility and so maybe it affects your your roster down down the road towards the end of your draft but it's insane, and exactly th- thanks to Facebook, I have Facebook memories. And a, a year ago, uh, yesterday, I tweeted out because uh, I was having this same discussion with someone: uh, if Mike Trout was UT only, would that affect your way of drafting? And while most people said uh, no, of course you're going to take Mike Trout one or two, uh, <laughs> even if he's UT only. Uh, some people did say they would drop oh, him out insane. of the first round. And oh my out of the god. First round? Yes, out of the first block round memory. you had and you had people saying Name that them he, right now so we can all block Well, it, it was a Twitter <laughs> poll, so um but oh, it, okay. it's it's insane. Uh no, the idea ridiculous. that if you're taking a guy in the top 50 or top 75 picks, how often are you moving them out of their draft slot unless they're multi-positional eligibility? You're not. Yeah. You're leaving. You're setting in forgetting. So the idea that you wouldn't take a guy like uh, Cruz, who's been one of the most stable bats in all of fantasy over the last five years, uh, is just crazy to me. Uh, you know, you go go over to his Statcast page and look how many of his stats are in the red because he's in the top four percent, top five percent, top one percent. He was in the top one percent of exit velo uh, last year. Uh, you know, he's he's a stud, and you know, maybe at some point the wheels come off. I, I'm okay that I'm going to hold the bag on that one because the production I'm getting at such a cheap price uh, yep. is well yep. worth it. Yep. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I just, uh, you know, it was the same with Ortiz at some point. Mm-hmm. 
people just kept letting him go, letting him go because they, they didn't want to be left holding it. I'll hold it. L- let me have that bag. I, I totally agree with you there. I'll take Nelson Cruz all day. The ageism can be something that you can manipulate for value in fantasy, and I do think that Nelson Cruz is a major source of, of upside because of that. And, and he's not going to get hurt. And he's not going to get hurt because he's DHing. Mm-hmm. So his chances of getting hurt are less. You know, the they're ages lowered, are, yes. they're lowered because he's not running into any walls or chasing after any fly balls. He's just going to mm-hmm. come up and mash the ball and smile. And if yep, you're worried exactly. at all about the the batting average drop off, the BABIP really killed him. Uh, killed him last year. And if you look at his uh, ex uh, batting average over on Statcast, it was supposed to be you know he, he expected to hit uh, 282. So. Yeah, he had a 264 Babbitt, which he yeah. hasn't done um, since 2006 when he had a 138 plate appearance sample. Mm-hmm. So basically, never in a season exactly. that he had a significant. Uh, he hits the ball uh, too hard to have a Babbitt. And he's going to a low. better park. And he's going yep. to a better park. And better division, too. Look at that mm-hmm. division that he's going against right now. I mean,. I know a lot of people are picking, uh, saying White Sox could be an up-and-coming team. I agree with that. They could come. They could approach a year early. Be they're pitching, but they're it's exactly, the exactly. They're going to hit, and uh, they're going to have some some decent bullpen. I think that could spur it. And I think they're more. I, I think I think they're more of like maybe they could spike eighty wins as opposed to really be a force this year. Even if they got a Harper or Machado, but but even if they did. Okay, fine. They're an 85-win team. That still would not scare me. This is still a much better division than being out um, west again. If and when the, the Indians trade either Bauer or Kluber, my bold prediction is going to be that the Minnesota Twins win that division. I like it. I like it. I think you can make that bold prediction even if they Kyle keep Gibson. Cy Young Kyle Gibson. <laughs> now, I had to pull away from the microphone to laugh on that one. You ruined the show. Now, we now we have to cancel the show. We're not posting this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we are going to go ahead and wrap up here. Ian, it was great talking with you again. We're going to have you on uh, regularly this year for sure. We got I'm all for something. it, guys. Uh, it's it. always great talking baseball with, with you. Justin, same to you. Now you got to get some sleep. I know you're going back to work, right? The uh, I am, uh, but I've also got to record like I think three or four different podcasts today. Holy Toledo. So uh, if you like uh, hearing my voice a ton, go over to Friends Fantasy Benefits. Check out those well, podcasts over there. So I will. Um, I, I do. I do like that. So I will. Uh, I'm going to be watching some playoffs uh, at my simulator of out of the park baseball. If you guys aren't familiar with that, check out OOTP. We've we've advertised it on the podcast. So the, those advertisements will be back again this year, and they've come out with a new online mode called Perfect Team, and it's the best thing ever. The season runs from Monday through Saturday. It's a month every day, simulated every half hour, and then playoffs are Sundays, and I'm just excited to see if my team can uh, can win a virtual World Series. So we're going to be doing that. Uh, girlfriend and I might put together another another puzzle. I'm, I'm 100 years old, and I love it. So uh, <laughs> guys, I appreciate you being on, and uh, J- Jason, we'll get you back. Jason, Justin, remember when I told you, hey, I'm going to get back on mm-hmm. the Sundays because I miss talking with Jason. He obviously and hates like, you. Yeah. And, you know, now he has, quote, unquote, technical issues. Yeah, he mm-hmm. broke his computer so he wouldn't have to <laughs> talk to you. It. Absolutely. Yeah. F- fixed Ian's, helped Ian with his. Mm-hmm. He did. smashed his when he heard that I was going to be on. And yeah. said, you know, I'm not doing this. This is garbage. <laughs> but I, I will be on more regularly on Sundays. So I look forward to that. And we will get uh, Jason's technical issues back up and, and running. On but guys, Twitter, on Twitter, if oh, I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You promote uh, your new hand. I'll do it. I got you. I got you. Ian Con 4. 
I-A-N-K-A-H-N-4. That is his uh, baseball one. He does have the, the main one for acting and everything, which you can follow. But if you want his baseball insights, you want to reach out to him there, IanCon4. We'll have it linked in the show notes as well. But definitely work on uh, that one, and you can oh, talk a lot of Dynasty ooh, baseball with I got with one Ian. more thing, too, to promote before, uh, before we wrap up, too. Uh, we have resurrected the old Towers of Power uh, Facebook group and made it a yes. sleeper in the bust uh, Facebook group. Yes. So uh, find that on Facebook, or you can find me on Facebook and add me as a friend and ask me to add you, or or if you just want to. But if you uh, if you uh, add J- Justin Mason as a friend, you're going to see some really crazy. <laughs> yes, stuff yes. Me and my me and my Facebook. wife definitely uh, are are inappropriate with each other in many different ways. <laughs> um, so yes. uh, just be forewarned. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's uh, I think there's about 800 people in that group. Uh, so a ton of ton of places where you can get advice from uh, a bunch of people, including all four of us. Uh, you can uh, start new leagues. You can, uh, you know, do all sorts of things. Get a lot of different opinions. Um, so definitely go over to Facebook if, if you're on Facebook and, and join that group, uh, the sleeper in the bus. So. All right, fantastic. Yeah, Ian, was that what you wanted to say about Ian Com Four? If you want to add anything to that, go ahead. Uh, not right now. No, that's perfect. Okay. That's perfect, guys. All right. Well, Ian, we'll have you back on before the season starts for sure. Justin, I'll talk to you later this week. And Jason out in the ether, we love you. We'll talk to you next week. Take care, guys. Bye.